This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. Hope everyone's staying healthy, staying safe out there. It is a crazy, crazy time as we get deeper and deeper into this lockdown, this self-quarantine, this stay-at-home order that most of us in this country are under right now. And also, too, as well, my international listeners in Spain and Germany, in in Europe and the UK, South America, all over. I hope everyone is doing well. Canada, I hope you're doing well. Um, I hope everyone's staying safe, doing the smart things, and staying busy, trying to keep that mind busy and not fall into the traps that we may fall into because we're just not used to the current circumstances. So hopefully this will be over sooner rather than later, but I have a feeling the new normal that we're going to have to encounter will indeed be a new normal, and there'll be a lot of things that we took for granted that We may not be able to do for a while once we do get back to work and get back to moving about more freely. There may be some different stipulations and regulations that we all may have to adhere to moving forward. I'm just guessing. I don't know. I don't have any inside information, but I always rule by common sense, and common sense is telling me that. Our next guest is a return guest, her third time on the show, one of our very first guests who did a great episode with me back in the summer, in the early parts of this podcast about the Motley Crue book, The Dirt. She was then again on the podcast over the holidays as we talked about the stadium tour with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett, and Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts, which by all accounts, seems to be in jeopardy. There's been no official announcement, but I can imagine that there are people in meeting rooms and conference rooms right now discussing alternatives and discussing what's going on with these large gatherings that have been scheduled prior to all this and will be towards the later part of the summer. We have Sharice Brown. How are you doing today, Sharice? What's going on? Jay Scott, how are you? Thanks for having me back. I'm doing great. Thank you. I appreciate this. I know we're all looking at things to do or looking for stuff to do and, you know, recording more episodes for the listener, trying to keep myself busy, trying to keep, you know, provide an outlet for people that listen to the show, more content. I think this will be like the fourth or fifth episode this week that we're doing. Why not? I got nothing else to do. So, might as well do something productive and do something that people enjoy. What's going on with you? Well, since the community is really important right now, especially um, staying in touch with our rock community, right? What we talk about um, and being close to just kind of that, that bond, like even if it's not somebody in person, but just our group of people who appreciate rock and have grown up with it and love it. So that's more important now than ever as well, um, as we're all kind of, um, most of us anyway are shelter in place. I think all the states in the U S but, um, a lot of them. And of course, um, plenty of overseas countries are, are dealing with that as well. So for me, it's kind of like now needed more now than ever. Um, so I'm really glad that we are talking and that you're continuing to do this during this time. I had this thought today about all the great songs that are being written as these artists are, looking for stuff to do you know I mean I can imagine all the music that's going to come out next year in 2022 because a lot of artists musicians bands that were going to be on tour are no longer touring 
So what are they doing? They're probably writing music. I mean, they can't, you know, they can't be together and do, you know, practices or rehearsals or whatever. So most of them are probably writing a tune right now on the piano, on the guitar, whatever. And I can imagine all the influx of music that's going to be coming out as a result of this. And I think that's a huge positive thing. I hope so. I can't wait. I can't wait, but I do have to say I was very excited about 2020 from a concert perspective. It was one of the strongest years that we had coming for a while, I feel like. Um, and you mentioned the stadium tour, and I think we're all wondering that. I follow all the Alba Motley folks on uh, social media, and nobody's coming out and saying it, but it's like I think everybody's nervous that, uh, and just planning before an announcement that it's going to be postponed, right? Um, yeah, so things inevitable with large gatherings. I mean, I think what was their smallest show during the stadium tour was twenty thousand or something like that. They were well, all huge. Well, Wrigley so. Wrigley Field holds forty, so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Fenway Park is a little smaller than Wrigley. Um, I don't know the numbers on the other, you know, on the other places that they're playing. I think there are a few football stadiums in there as well. So they are going to be playing to a huge amount of people. Uh, I think the question is one do they first move forward with it and if they move forward with it they have to consider people giving up their tickets and not wanting to go because they're nervous about getting sick or they don't want to be in a large crowd for a while I mean I'm kind of in the same boat I mean I love going to shows and concerts as you know and this year has been kind of put on pause for me there's already been a handful of concerts that I've missed as a result of this There's going to be more, and I don't know if I want to venture out and be around 20, 30, 40,000 people or be in a club where you're right on top of one another for a while. I know there's a lot of people that want to go out and do it right away and go right away to each their own, but until there's a vaccine with this, until they really know how this mutates, because they really don't know a lot about this virus, to go out and just be normal again i think we're going to be we're going to be doing this again if if we all take that approach you know that's if we're even would be cleared by them being big groups so we're essentially in the middle of april getting there right now um and the stadium tour is supposed to kick off two months from now like nine weeks um today in in our state you know and in plenty of states we can't be in public and stand closer than six feet together it doesn't it just it doesn't add up that two months from now we would have crowds of 25 plus thousand that would be sweaty and touching and bumping elbows and running into each other at rock shows and um it just it's not fathomable so i hope something happens like you know within a week where things start to clear up and not only the uh you know the apex has been hit but things start to really improve it's just kind of seems like long shot so it, it's crushing me because the odd thing is i need and we as a community need the stadium tour more than ever um you know and i've already had mr Dawkins, so they're uh they're reuniting with with george lynch and then lynch mom's playing um and then you know the circle i was excited for obviously kiss is postponed i saw gene simmons on uh on a show today talking about it but he was also encouraging, like, hey, shelter in place. I'm doing it. You guys all have to do it. So, so you know, the concern that we get this over with and we'll, you know, kind of go on tour and, and have, uh, you know, fun on the road again. And he talked, you know, obviously about how the music industry is suffering from this. But, um, you know, let's not forget, like, you know, Megadeth was tour- is touring, was, is touring. Um, I was waiting for ACDC announcements. Plus the Black uh, yeah, Crows, you know, the Black Crows Black were going to be Crows. doing a tour. And I think it was Guns N' Roses coming around too as well. Yep, that's right. That was August. I think end of, is it end of August? I have the, I have the date, maybe the end of July. But yeah, it was when the ne- it was in the next few months as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, that's, that's a wish list. Is, I agree with you. I would definitely like to see music, new music from all these folks. But hopefully that's what's going on. And it's, uh, it's, the, the, you know, we can go off on another tangent about the, the damage to the music industry, but also kind of, you know, the economy overall. So the, yeah. the tickets for a lot of these shows were purchased, right? So, um, 
that's a good thing. And it's, it's another another aspect of the show is what's the situation with like a um, essentially like a natural disaster. This can be considered, um, you know, from a rehome perspective and all that. So many facets to this that I just I kept holding out hope we would not have to even face it. But uh, as it kind of escalates and we get closer to, um, you know, the stadium tours, obviously my, my big thing, but um, all these shows that, was, that I had tickets for, I'm looking forward to. It just, it's kind of looking a little bit less hopeful. So we'll see. Hang in there. Not giving up hope. Yeah, yeah, I me, me neither. But I, there's also a lot of these other smaller tours, too. I mean, these other small clubs that I was hoping to see some stuff. Um, Wild Street, I know was doing a tour. They're a band out of New York City that I was really looking forward to see. They've been on the New Music Spotlight. I was really looking forward to seeing Rose Tattoo on their tour. I had tickets to the Doc and Lynch Mob right. tour, which was a, a, a theater tour as well. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of shows. There's a lot of bands. I know Joyous Wolf was coming around on a bill with, I forget who the headliner was, but I was looking forward to seeing them. Yeah, it's just who knows what's going to happen. Um, like I said, I, I hope a lot of new music comes out as a result of this over the next year or two because creative people have to stay busy. And now that they're not on tour, now that they're not in in studios or whatever, hopefully they're sitting at home writing some new music. I don't know. I mean, I know the stress levels are pretty high right now. We did an episode mm-hmm. earlier in the week about mental health and the music industry and how it affects about 60 to 70 percent of musicians and right now it's probably got to be 10 out of 10 100 percent close to it because they're not pulling any revenue in and a lot of artists now make their money while touring and they haven't been able to do that so a lot of them are probably struggling and this is just a message out there to everybody listening support your artists if you don't have the money right now because you lost your job Share their posts on social media, retweet, twi- you know, Twitter post, share Facebook posts, do all that. If you can't spend the money, try to help them out in other ways. If you can, go buy a T-shirt, go buy some music, help them out. Do what you you know, do what you need to do. They need that from you right now. And if you're a fan of their music, you know, I'm not asking you to break the bank, but the money you would have spent at the stadium tour or the Lynch Mob docking tour or wherever. Use that. Go spend that money on them. Go spend that money that you now have back in your account. I imagine tickets are going to be refunded if people aren't comfortable and people don't want to go or if they cancel it. So, But we'll see what the future holds. It's, you know, no one really knows, and there's a lot of questions out there. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, something else along the lines of supporting your local artists, like, um, or, well, not local, your favorite artists, um, I want to say I saw, I don't know, like Dirty Honey had 30% off mark today online. And um, I, I got a, a Megadeth t-shirt because it came with a mask, like a skull mask. It kind of looked like the Rattlehead. Um, so they're, you know, they're at kind of, you know, bringing some revenue, but also offering some discounts. There's a lot of good stuff out there that um, that you can get maybe a discounted, discounted price and it's still healthy artists. So good time to do that. Please do it, everybody. Do what you can. Like I said, if you can spend the money, if you got a few bucks to spare, please help them out. If you can't, retweet those Twitter posts that they have, share those Facebook posts, whatever you can do to help the band out or the musicians out or the artists out, they need it right now. So let's do all we can for them. Let's give back to them because they've given us so much over the years, and I know they'll really, really appreciate it. So on to the topic. We have, or I have been wanting to do this show with you now for a few months, and now that we're both kind of doing nothing, uh, it's a great time to do it, but it's a great important topic that I've touched on several times on several different episodes here discussing the state of rock. And when I think back of my childhood and I think back of the artists that I enjoyed and that I was fans of that I'm still fan of, today or still a fan of today I think about the rock star I think about the larger than life characters that graced our television screens that graced the magazine covers that we all bought the rock star the larger than life characters the superheroes 
because they were so gigantic in their personalities. They flew through the air. They jumped through the air. They had explosions. They had the outfits. They had the attitude. It was not just about the music. It was about the performance. And the music was pretty damn good, too. And I'm talking about the likes of David Lee Roth, Van Halen. I'm talking about Kiss. talking about Motley Crue. talking about all those bands that came out during that era. Even in the 70s, too, when you think of the larger-than-life characters like the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and Queen and Aerosmith and ACDC, all that stuff. I mean, when you went to a show, you were entertained not only by the music but by what you were watching. You listened with your ears and you listened with your eyes. I'm a big proponent of new rock music, and one of the things that I think is lacking with the new artists and the new bands is that larger-than-life personality, that person that walks onto a screen, and whether you like them or not, you want to hear what they have to say, you want to know what they're going to do, because it's always news, and that's missing right now in rock and roll. What are your thoughts? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to go with Charlie said we need the stadium tour more than ever. So it's not just because I'm a huge crew fan. It's a combination of what Motley Crue and Jeff Leppard and Poison, um, you know, and Joan Jett, and obviously the, the runaways back in the 70s. Like, what that together represents, um, I mean, I mean, it's the whole list of, of what you just said, like, I regularly think about this. Like, I'm a nerd about doctors, so every day I sit around and think about, was it because I was, like, 12 when I totally fell in love with Motley Crue? Was it because I'd never totally seen the costume before and I liked the attitude? Was it because I was young? Would I feel the same way now if I was exposed to them now? Or fill in the blank, Van Halen, Cinderella, Hero, Brad, Aerosmith, New York Dolls, David Bowie. ECDC, Metallica, Megadeth. I mean, the, the list goes on. So I think about it all the time. And all I know for sure is that that is missing today. That's just missing. Um, I don't feel like the same amount of effort is put into um, costumes, a full head to toe look, um, you know, whether it was like hair, makeup. All these guys who dress up like we don't know what. Because is it a guy? Is it a woman? Because they look kind of female. They look kind of um, glammy. They look, you know, and like now we kind of know, like after these bands for, for decades of uh, these kind of bands, like that was part of the whole mystique. That was exactly what they wanted to do, sort of thing. So it was like, it was not only a fashion statement, but also, you know, kind of a political and a social statement. And it was fun. For me, that's the big thing that's missing today is like, just how come fun's gone away? There's no fun anymore. That's the main thing of all this stuff that I see is just, you know, I know things have changed quite a bit, but uh, where's the fun gone? I don't know what you think about that, but that's, that's a lot of what I see. The fun is definitely not as prevalent as it was back then. It was a mixture of fun and it was a mixture of like the outlaw. You know, I mean, you think of someone like Guns N' Roses, Axl Rose. When you think of David Lee Roth, you know, the lounge singer of hard rock back in the day. And you think of Kiss, these four masked faces, you know, prancing on stage, doing what they do and having explosions, the complete show, the drum riser, shooting rockets from your guitar all that stuff. When you think of the, you know, Steven Tyler commanding the stage. When you think of the bands like you mentioned, like Def Leppard or Poison, creating that atmosphere at a live show and showing that in videos that was very prevalent back in the day. I think the grunge movement killed a lot of that. I, I've grown to like a lot of the grunge music, whether it's Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. Alice in Chains. I've, I've grown to like that over the years. When it first came out outside of Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, I was not a big fan. I didn't like the fact that the fun seemed to be taken out of rock and roll. And I think a lot of it has to do with the acts back then, you know, the, the bands and how they were performed because they became a parody of themselves. They became silly. 
And it went mm-hmm. all the way in one direction by the mid nineties, early nineties, you know, it was, and I've mentioned this before, bands were getting signed how they look because of how they looked, not because of how they played. Obviously when something goes as far out as it did back then, there's going to be a pullback, right? There's going to be a pushback. And then there was, and then all of a sudden you had these brooding musicians with a lot of anger and a different point of view from a different area of the country, which was Seattle at the time. And there were other pockets too around the country. But I think a lot of it had to do with it got so far out of hand and it got so far from what we had gotten used to. I mean, when we think of the rock stars, like I mentioned, you know, Kiss it was a huge thing. Kiss came out. Nobody ever saw anything like that. Yeah, there were other artists doing stuff like that. You could say Alice Cooper, but Kiss really blew the roof off of all that. And then you had Rolling Stones with Mick Jagger moving out on stage. You know, and they really didn't do a lot in terms of that. But still, Mick Jagger is a rock star. I mean, if there is one person that defines the rock star through rock and roll history, it's Mick Jagger. You had Freddie Mercury, who not just had the voice to back it up, but the performance that he would do for crowds, thousands of people every show. I mean, he had the people in the palm of his hand. Robert Plant with that scowl and that those hips moving and that voice. You know, if there's ever a voice that sounds like sex, it would sound like Robert Plant's. And he would hypnotize the audience. You look at Steven Tyler and Angus Young with his guitar going back and forth on the stage. Those were all the mid-70s to late 70s. And then in the 80s, David Lee Roth really took it to another level. I've mentioned before a few times on these podcast episodes that I don't know if a band like Motley Crue could exist in today's day and age. I believe firmly that the world needs a band like a Motley Crue right now. Not just, you know, I'm not talking about the drug use and all the craziness, but I'm talking about just the the larger-than-life characters that these four guys, every time they were on TV, kids would stop. And if we want to talk about what's hurting rock and roll, the biggest thing is the connection to the kids. I guarantee you if there was a band like Motley Crue, because every teenager right now has either seen the dirt, wants to see the dirt, mm-hmm. And the reason why the stadium tour is, is as big as it is is because a lot of parents are taking their kids who are teenagers to see Motley Crue. You're right, Cherise. When you talk about how important this tour was this year, it was because it was the youth getting a chance to see a band like Motley Crue because they heard about the movie, because they heard their parents and their friends talking about it at the dinner table or wherever at barbecues or wherever. And they're like, oh, I got to see this. What is this band, Motley Crue? And it's disappointing if that tour does get canceled. Hopefully it does get postponed and maybe moved into hockey stadiums or basketball stadiums or whatever uh, in the fall and into the winter. Who knows what's going to happen? But that's why it was so important because that movie was able to, I mean, look, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Motley Crue fan. Sharice, you know this to be true, right? You've read the article. Look at the demographic that is now buying Motley Crue music as opposed to a year ago. kid was coming up to the register and most of them buying both at the same time 
and I'm just like, this is a bummer. Like, I mean, I watched it be huge because like 60% of the sales was those two together or one or the other. Um, and I would see kids like decide, well, which one should I get? Well, I'll come back and get the other one next week. And I was like, hey, hey, if you're the same white zombie, hey, you got to check out Pantera. Like, I was really still trying to, you know, push people at least to kind of like save that, uh, that music that I love so much. But it was like, you know, and I hate the stereotype, but I was like, these guys are kind of all out of Seattle. I'm like, this is a bummer. Like, it's a bummer. Like, this, it, to me, it just bummed me out because I love the fun. And then, you know, sometimes obviously like campy, um, but like who doesn't love the campy part of David Lee Roth, right? Um, it just, it's, I don't know. It was like, uh, I watched, um, it was an old, old video clip from probably, I don't know, sometimes like late 80s. And somebody asked him, you know, like, what do you guys like about strip clubs? And he was like, it's not like, you know, the naked girls, like we don't have trouble getting girls or anything. It's like, Everyone there is having fun. It's a good time. Everyone's smiling. The you know all the patrons, whether it's guys or girls, everyone's just having a blast. Like you know, just even let loose and like it's just become not as easy to uh, see that music these days. Well, that's an important question for you: is being a woman and knowing how those artists. Let's be let's be fair. Let's be honest. A lot of them objectified women back in the seventies and the eighties, probably even early. You know in the 60s too as well but the 70s we all have heard the stories about the stones we've heard the stories about the riot house which was the hyatt house in hollywood when zeppelin came we've all heard the red snapper story uh moving on to the 80s we've we've heard the decadence of motley Crue. we've heard stories about underneath the stage at def leopard concerts we've heard all of that and women were a prominent figure in a lot of those videos scantily clad women as a woman, now with the Me Too movement and the current political environment that we have, I don't want to make this a political show, but it is part of this because it does affect how people behave. How do you feel? How would you feel as a woman seeing a band like Motley Crue come out and have that same type of attitude and that same type of persona and have that platform to do what Motley Crue did in a new form in a new band. You mean in today's world? Yes. Oh yeah, that would that would be kind of weird. I think I think we all can agree. There's just it's just not accepted for all those reasons you said, but just we've morphed into which I actually find very odd because it's total can of worms. But um, with all the hip hop music and all that kind of stuff, it's like some blatant way worse. Um, Subjection behavior has been, you know, showcased. But anyway, that's an, that's another topic. Well, I agree. I agree time. with that. I think I think it's a fair comparison. But I'm asking you, how being a woman, if a band, let's say Motley Crue, came out today in 2020, how would you, as a woman, react to them? Would you still think I mean, it was today, fun? Would you still think it was fun? Would you still go see them, or would you be put off by? you know, the, the objectifying of women and all that stuff. How would you, how would you react to that? I think I might, I mean, not only just, you know, because I've matured and all that kind of stuff, but, um, it was like a time and a place and I'll never forget it. And I totally love it still, but today it would just be kind of past day because it's literally just that, right. Um, we're just not there anymore. You know, um, it, it, back then, anybody who, you know, think about like Tipper Gore and anybody who kind of like, oh my God, they're terrible. They're objectifying people. There's, it's the music of the devil and all this kind of stuff. That was just, that was a teeny, teeny percent of the population, I feel like. Um, at least it was in my world. I just think times have changed quite a bit. Um, yeah, it, it would really fit today. So if, if they came on as a new band today, it, it would not fit with where we're at, it wouldn't fit with where I'm at. Um, but because I was introduced to them in another time, another era, in another place, when that stuff just, I don't know, it just wasn't as prominent, right, in our society. Um, and I just thought they were fun and a good time. And the women fans were a huge part of all of this that we're talking about, all these bands. I mean, like, and, and you don't have to participate. Sure, it's some, you know, that was some people's thing. But other people just loved the music and everything about it. I was, I was in that category. 
that sort of was part of the deal, but it wasn't really ever, you know, it didn't, me personally, it just never really bothered me that much. I just, I kind of loved the whole, the whole thing. I just thought it was fun. I love the great music and uh, I love these guys. I still do. You know, my home office is, is plastered with all kinds of uh, rock memorabilia and Motley Crue stuff and uh, a Crusium, what I call it. If, if you had a child who was a teenager and they brought home a Motley Crue record and Motley Crue was a new band, how would you react to that? Well, we've talked before um, on your first show that I was on. I was raised in a pretty liberal household. And when it came to music, because my dad is a musician, anything went. So I appreciate that. I would follow the same. I would follow the same ideology, I think. And my niece, who is now, she's a teenager, and when she was younger, she kind of got off the crew a little bit. I totally encouraged it. I bought her a couple shirts at some of the different tours. Um, that's more from my, like, my liberal kind of standpoint. I, I think all music is good music, so that would be fine by me. I do think it's a fair comparison, though, when we talk about what is the now and we talk about what behaviors are accepted now versus when we were growing up and I think it is a, comp- a fair comparison to say well look at rap music look at hip hop and look at the videos with the guns and the women and the money and all this stuff being thrown around I shouldn't say that there isn't any pushback from people because I don't follow it as closely. So for me to speak on that would be unfair. So for me to say, no one says anything about rap music or no one says anything about hip hop music and how they objectify women and violence and all that stuff. I do think it probably does happen, but because I don't follow it because I'm not up to date on it, I don't see it just because I don't see it happening. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I'm sure there's, leaders for civil rights or for whatever women's rights that do speak out against that that being said going back to the motley crew movie the dirt and seeing how it changed the demographic for that band virtually overnight where young kids now wanted to see the music and they wanted to see the movie it goes back to the old tale that we've all been told for years, Cherise. And that is if your parents don't like it or if your parents don't want you to see it, you want it more. You crave it more. So as I talked with my son on a show previous, Raising a Rock and Roll Kid, which I think was done back in November, I want to say, I asked him why kids prefer rap music over rock, rock music. And he said one of the reasons is because rock music is like their dad's music. It's like their parents' music. And they don't want, the parents don't want the kids to listen to the rap music. There it is. It was the same thing when we were growing up with the rock music, right? Our parents, well, I know you talked about your household, but my household was very different. I grew up in a Catholic family. I went to Catholic school. It was, I had to smuggle albums into the house, like Ozzy Osbourne, Bark at the Moon, or, you know, a couple Wasp records, and so on and so forth. So, I had that experience, and if I got caught with that stuff, that stuff would be thrown out. Taken away. That's, Take, most of my friends, frankly, were in that camp, too. Yeah. They, they had, you know, had multiple copies of Child the Devil because so many of them were taken away. I think that's more the norm. You're, you're absolutely right. So if I'm a new band now, and I see these demographics for Motley Crue virtually change because of that outlaw image, because of the bad boys of rock and roll, because... They know this movie is something that they shouldn't see. It's controversial. Okay. I don't know. I would... Obviously, you want to pursue your own natural personality, right? You don't want to fake controversy. You don't want to try to be artificial because fans will sniff that out. If they think you're a fake, you'll get away with it for only a certain period of time until people start to realize you're full of crap. But if you're natural and if you're, if you're organic in how you portray yourself and how you're a natural at it, people will gravitate towards it. 
And I've always said that if you have protesters at your show, that means you're doing something right. I do think, though, you know, I, I do remember like all the all the album burnings back in the day with all these churches, you know, having these big bonfires of vinyl records and. Oh, yeah. You know, telling us that and the PMRC, the PMRC yeah. and telling us that Judas Priest was putting had hidden messages and in, in the albums, Led Zeppelin, you know, had hidden messages. If you played it backwards, I didn't even know how to play an album backwards back in the day. I didn't even know how to do that. I just listened. But the controversy was always piqued my interest. Well, what's this about Judas Priest? What's this about Motley Crue? What's this about Led Zeppelin? What's this about Kiss? Killers in service of Satan? Is that really what it means? So I think there is that element that needs to come out again where what they say is listened to by the youth of America. Forget the classic rock fans. Classic rock fans, I mean, I've been... I've been harping on the classic rock fans since I've been doing this show, and they're not going to change. But the youth of today, you know, if there is a Motley Crue that comes out, I guarantee it, they will be the biggest thing in music in 90 days. The biggest thing. And, you know, like a mixture between a Guns N' Roses and a Motley Crue, I mean, come on, Sharice. I mean, that would be huge right now. Huge. So... What does that look like, though? So the youth of today would like what? Where does that part of, uh, you know, like the the women in rock and all that kind of stuff, where does that fit in, though? Because the question that you asked me was, uh, you know, if this came around today, how would you feel about it if you had a niece or a daughter or whatever it was? Like, how would you feel about it? So I don't know what that looks like, you know? I don't feel like, um, I, I just, I don't know what that would look like. I don't know if you thought about that, but I just, I can't imagine. I have thought about it. I'm trying to speak because I don't want to get too political. But I will say this, <laughs> that I think if you don't like something, turn it off. If you don't like something, don't go see them, don't go see their show. If you don't like something, don't listen to their music. I, I'm not a big hip hop fan. I'm not a, big rap fan i don't listen to their music what they do their videos it doesn't bother me because i don't watch it i've chosen not to watch it so they can do whatever they want do i you know do i think that you know they shouldn't you know objectify women or whatever yeah you could yes absolutely but i'm not offended by it because i don't watch it and i think there's too much right now where people watch things because they want to be offended. They're waiting to be offended. And I think that's wrong. You know, I, I remember back in the day with Jerry Falwell, the whole obscenity laws with Hustler magazines, with Larry Flint. And basically, that case was about what was offensive. And the case came down to of being offended is your individual choice. What offends you may not offend the person next to you, may not offend the person down the street from you, may not offend your brother, may not offend your sister, but it offends you. That doesn't mean a performance or a song, a performance should not be seen or a song should not be heard because you personally are offended. You, what, what happens in your lane doesn't apply to everybody. Everybody has their own tolerance. I think how it's affected today is that people are afraid to one and and let's let's also be clear too. You don't have to objectify women to be a rock star. Right? I mean you don't right. you don't have to do that. That's not that's not the definition of a rock star. I'm talking about larger than life, speaking what's on your mind, being on stage, letting yourself be natural. Don't be afraid to say something that's controversial. Don't be afraid to push the envelope a little bit. I mean, we see at the Super Bowl, right? We see Jennifer Lopez and Shakira pushing the envelope. Let's face they did. Let's face it. They, I, I mean, but I wasn't offended. By, of course, I wasn't offended by it. But, um, <laughs> you know, but but they pushed the envelope, and it caused a lot of controversy with 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 people in this country. The people were calling. And complaining about, you know, scantily clad women. So it's not just like 
the men that do that push that push the envelope, right? I mean, look at Prince. Prince always pushed the envelope. Look at, I mean, Lady Gaga is always pushing the envelope. Lady Gaga is probably more of a rock star right now than anybody in rock music. I agree with that. Yep, and I agree with that. She's and she doesn't run from controversy. She doesn't run. That's what I'm talking about. Don't run from mm-hmm. it. Be do it. Maybe there's I'm wrong. a club. No, I don't think so at all. So you mentioned Larry Flint a second ago. There's a club in Chicago, and they've got um, a quote from Larry Flint in the like emblazoned in the concrete on the outside, and it says, "The greatest right a nation can afford its people is the right to be left alone." I I still think that's like at the basis of everything that we're talking about. You know, fun has gone away. Why? Because that one's been clamped down on. Um, that's and that's the kind of thing. Like so, as far as like rock today, like we've got like Lizzie Hale at Hailstorm, but she kind of you know dresses the part, acts the part, and sings the part. But it's you know compared to like what Lady Gaga is doing, she's just kind of in the background. You know, and I think that's so. It's she's one of the rare females kind of in rock, but um, that's really from the standpoint of larger than life, no fear. Um, doing whatever they want, just kind of owning the world without worry about repercussions. That's more like what like a Lady Gaga is doing. Totally agree with going And she's a female, you know, and she does these things. I mean, there was things with the Catholic Church, and I'm not sure exactly what the controversy was, but but her name pops up a lot. Not as much as it did when she was younger, but there's going to be someone else that's just going to be like Lady Gaga that's going to do all this stuff. Before Lady Gaga, there was Madonna. Madonna was a rock star in the fact that she was larger than life because she was controversial. Now she used sex as a big tool and a lot of artists do use that as a big tool to, to push their agenda, to push their music, to push their performance. That's, that's just fact. The next thing that I'm going to talk about too is, is really annoying. And it's, it's also another factor in why younger artists are afraid to maybe perform the way they want to perform and say what they want to say. Anytime a political affiliation is brought up by an artist, and I'm going to kind of tread water here because I don't want to get too deep in a political discussion, but if the artist is, a, is liberal, people on the right will boycott them. If the artist is a conservative, people on the left will boycott them. Why, why, why would you do that? I probably about two months ago, I, I was having a conversation on my Twitter feed about John Bon Jovi, and someone said, well, he's a liberal. Who gives a flying fuck if he is a liberal? Okay? Who cares what gun Ted Nugent wants to talk about on his show? Do you like their music? Do you like Bon Jovi? Would you like Bon Jovi, you know, if he, if he was a conservative? Would you like Ted Nugent if he was... On the left, who cares? Don't stop loving the music that these artists have produced because you don't like their political affiliation. When did we get so far down with that that now we make decisions on who we go see in concert and whose music we buy based on whether or not their views align with ours? That's bullshit. Well, I have an appreciation for the artists who don't really care about that. Um, case in point, Tommy Lee's letter last week to our current president. And uh, I believe it started Dear Fucking Lunatic or something like that. Um, and he just goes straight for it. And he, fight, he actually, he doesn't fight with his fans. His fans mess with him on social media and he doesn't say anything back. So part of me is like, I think he just likes to get this stuff out there and just like watch the fireworks. Um, that's part of it, but he also doesn't shy away from it. He's like, whatever, that's my opinion, and you guys aren't scaring me away. And he doesn't give a shit if it's popular opinion or not. That to me, that's rock star. That's that's anywhere in my life, like in any of our lives, that's rock star to me. So like the whole definition, like the head to toe look, and you know the badass attitude, and do what you want, and all that kind of stuff. Like to me, that's like that's rock star. And I kind of feel like it's not around so much. And to me, that's also fun, because I know I said fun multiple times. So that, to me, is the definition of fun. And it's just kind of, we're missing that. We're missing that these days, in my opinion. I agree. I, I think that's, I mean, I'm not a big Kid Rock fan. 
Um, I don't like Kid Rock's music. I don't like, I just don't like his music. I've never have liked his music, even when uh, his first single came out. I even know what the name of it, Bada Da Bow, Bang Da Bang, Biggie Biggie, whatever. Um, I don't even know. <laughs> I think that's how it goes. But I've never been a big... I think it's full on country now anywhere. Yeah, I mean, he's migrated. I don't remember what you're talking right. about that first record, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's migrated to like the southern rock country thing now. I've never liked his music. I don't care to hear any of his music. I don't like any of his songs. I've, I've listened to his music. I have friends that like his music. He's very conservative. He's, a, he's, he's right wing. I don't care what he says. Okay, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I don't like like you just mentioned about Tommy Lee that that's being a rock star, right? Do we want our rock stars to to you know put on the good little family show and not say anything controversial? No, that's what the rock star does. The rock star says things that make you uncomfortable. I need to have that in a rock star personally, and I think everybody kind of in our genre of of fanship. I think we kind of all feel the same. That's a safe generalization. That's just com- camaraderie and that whole, um, you know, just the fans of rock. Like, I'm pretty sure we would all agree with that. If I'm at a concert of, with a band and the lead singer starts saying something political, I'm not going to boo him. He has every right to use his stage and to use his platform to do whatever the hell he wants to do. Whether I agree with it or not, I'm still going to be a fan of the music. I'm still there. I still, I'm still going to rock out. But that's like, like I just said. They're there to make us uncomfortable. They're there to, like, make us squirm a little bit. That's what a rock star does. I look for that, personally, in, in like my rock stars that I love. And they all do. They've all kind of lived up to it. So, definitely. Agreed. Yeah, and I, I just think that that needs to come back. There's a lot of great mu- new music out there. And I, I want a lot of these younger artists to be comfortable in making the audience squirm a little bit saying something that maybe they shouldn't say. It's okay. You shouldn't have a PR person telling you what to say. Your PR person should say to you, oh, you said that? Okay, this is how we're going to handle it. Okay? Bands Why like, do you think they're playing it so safe? Because from the business aspect of, of what you just said? I think so. I think a lot of them do play it safe. A lot of them don't want to say things that are controversial. A lot of them don't want to, to to alienate some people in the audience because we live in such a polarizing society right now that if someone says something that you disagree with, right away there's a freaking boycott, which I think is freaking stupid. We don't boycott real issues, okay? Boycott companies putting pollution in the air that you breathe and affecting if you have asthma or something like that. Boycott that. Don't boycott some. Rock star who makes you feel a little uncomfortable. You don't like what he said. What the, what the hell are you doing? If you grew up. That's where the fun's gone. The fun's well, all gone. Right. Like but, but if you if you grew up on this music, if you grew up on Kiss, if you grew up on Zeppelin, The Stones, Crew, Ozzy, Sabbath, Maiden, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Rat, Poison, if you grew up on all that stuff, and you're complaining if someone speaks their mind, if you're one of those people that they should stay on their lane, stay in your lane, Nikki Six, stay in your lane, Ted Nugent. <laughs> Fuck you. I mean, this is this you can you've completely now become Mary Poppins and Mrs. Brady. And Mr. Brady. Mr. Brady was gay, but you know, I, I mean in terms of the persona on, <laughs> on the television show, but but that's what you've become. You've become your parents because you're grumpy and you don't like someone saying something that you disagree with. They can say whatever you want. I never get affected by what a rock star says or an actor says or an athlete. It never bothers me. It's kind of like over my head. It doesn't bother me because I know that I'm going to use different avenues to get my information to formulate my own opinion. So what the star basketball football player says or what the big rock star says or what the major actor or actress says, at the end of the day doesn't doesn't matter to me. You know, if if you are one of those people that automatically align yourself with what one of these people say, you need to revisit that. But I've never been bothered. It's never it's never been I you know 
I lost sleep because of what Nikki Six posted on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I'm so angry. I, I want all my kids to throw out all their Motley Crue stuff because of what Nikki Six said two days ago in his in his in his tweet. No, that's not how. I mean. You want rock and roll to come back? You want to be a rock and roll fan? Rock and roll fan is all about the middle finger. It's all about not caring what you want. It's all about making you uncomfortable. It's about being against the grain. And if you want our rock stars to now comply with what your idea of how a society should be and how people should act, well, maybe you need to hand in your rock and roll card, hand in all your music, and start listening to the Carpenters. Those are not card-carrying members who follow that ideology that you just said. No way. I'm, you know, I, I never, I have not once told my son to what to not to listen to and what to listen to. You know, as long as it's not causing him to be violent or causing him to hurt himself, I don't see an issue with it. I don't see why we have to be upset with someone who says something that we don't agree with. And, and, and I mean, obviously with, with the politics in this world right now, it's a big thing. And I think that's a big impact on rock music, whether it's Dirty Honey, whether it's Greta Van Fleet, whether it's the Struts, Joyous Wolf, Tyler Bryant, any band I can name, any new band, it's okay to be a little controversial. You don't have to objectify women, but if you've got something on your mind, I mean, before the 80s rock bands, and I should really say before Zeppelin and came along, rock stars were anti-establishment, right? Totally, totally. I mean, you think of Woodstock, you think of the counterculture movement in the late 60s, early 70s, Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Jennifer, Jefferson Airplane, that was all... Anti-establishment music. Those were rock stars back then. And and thousands and thousands of people would follow those bands all over the world. So what happened? I mean, is it is it basically do you, I mean, Sharice, do you think it's the political impact of of what's happening in our politics that's filtered down into our music? You know, I think a lot of it's political, but you know, part of the whole, you know, we talk about a lot of um, women like the fans um, who are females being part of um, the rock scene and like object- objectification and lyrics and songs and that kind of stuff. And I don't forget like some of that stuff kind of changed and everyone looked at it differently. Um, political statement, but also social when like AIDS came around, right? Um, drug use was really popular amongst our fans, not all of them, but the thing for sure. Um, amongst the bands that we're talking about and you know we even lost let's think about like Robin Crosby from rap so that changed the scene quite a bit and you know I would argue that probably it might look ridiculous sort of to kind of continue the whole objectification when like it looked for a while like well that's all the you know kind of sex and that kind of stuff is what's spreading age so I think that might have been part of it and that's um but that was during, that was that weird shit, right? When like grunge came around, got a little more popular, the fun sort of kind of left. Um, it, music was trying to figure out what it was a little bit. Um, at least that's kind of how I saw, saw it, like early 90s when grunge came around. Um, that's, you know, and like not to take a bummer of a turn, but that's sort of, I think a lot of it is like, um, that changed the whole like, just like free lifestyle, like, everywhere that kind of stuff um the rock scene was representing a little bit do you think that's carried on i mean that had a huge impact in how we looked at bands and musicians and how they performed i mean gone were the you know the leather pants and the long hair well then there's still long hair but hair long hair with product in it um do you think that still resonates today do you think that still influences bands i mean i do interview a lot of newer bands on for the new music spotlight a lot of them do bring up their influences as the grunge era in the in the 90s you know and and i know obviously if they were influenced by it 
you know, they have a little bit more of a different point of view than maybe someone who was influenced by Van Halen crew and Guns N' Roses. Um, do you think social media plays a part? Um, everybody kind of has to mind their business a little bit when, you know, a, a, somebody's phone can record any, like, kind of misstep or whatever. But, like, there was a lot of mistakes, like, well, what goes on, like, backstage and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, like, now, like, you know, everyone's got to watch everything. Leave your phone at the door, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do think, so it, I think it, it, We're talking about some combinations of things, but I'm just kind of throwing some things out there that I think all kind of contributed a little bit. I do think, brought us to where we are today. I do think it does have an impact. I, I just saw Dave Chappelle a month ago up in Milwaukee, and he has you put your cell phone in a pouch, and, and it gets locked during the performance. You never see a Dave Chappelle performance on YouTube. You never see it on social media. So the mystique of Dave Chappelle, the lore of Dave Chappelle, becomes greater and greater because you can't see it. Not only can you not see what someone might think is offensive, because he does. I mean, his you know his his comedy routine is pretty is pretty out there, you know. So if you don't want to be don't want to hear jokes that are about subjects that may that people usually don't joke about, you shouldn't go see him. But if you if you think about him and how his reputation almost becomes bigger than his performances, it's because there's no social media of his stuff. You can't see his jokes about gay people or about transgender people. It's by word of mouth. And you know this as well as I do. When people tell a story to somebody else, it becomes greater. Just like, you know, when you think of the the fishing example, when they caught a fish, you know, the fish might be, you know, the size of a, you know, candy bar, but when they explain it, you know, it, it was huge. So it's, it's, it becomes more embellished. I also think that it affects his routine too. I mean, how many times now when we have gone to a concert, cause you and I have gone to concerts together, when you know what the set list is already, and when you've seen the performances on YouTube, it affects how you digest the show, right? It totally does. <laughs> yeah. So when you don't watch that stuff and you're completely surprised, you have a way better experience at a concert than had you already known what they're going to play. Yep, 100%. So I do think social media, plus everybody has the ability to be a critic now. Everybody has the ability to give you instant feedback. So if, you know, Johnny Rockstar and, and Johnny Rock Band says something, people can go immediately to their Facebook page, to their Twitter page, wherever, and immediately shun them and immediately criticize them and immediately tell them they're going to be boycotted and all this stuff. They can immediately do that. I think that has a lot to do with it too. You know, when you, if you're a young kid, 23 years old, and you said something at a show in Detroit, Michigan, or Cincinnati, Ohio, and then all of a sudden it's all over YouTube because people were recording with their phones and within the next 48 hours, your Facebook page is bombarded by a bunch of nutbags who are being offended and causing this fake issue to exist. Yeah, that has a huge impact on how you act as a, as, as a musician. Yeah, I think behavior in general. I mean, it's it's everything. Like it's, the way a stage show goes, if somebody anything that's said or done from the stage, it's all that can be recorded without the, with the exception of um, artists can make you with their phones at the door, of course. But um, it's I think social media is a lot of it. Yeah, it's that. So it, I think it's gotten so much more politically correct. But um, at smartphones, just it forces everyone to stick to it. I, you know, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that lead singer. I'm waiting for that member of a band to be that controversial figure. And I don't think you've got to force it either. I think if you just speak your mind and you do it in a well thought out way where it's the outlaw, it's the, you know, the attitude, I think, you know, objectifying women, drug use, that all, that that's all part of you know, it's acts in the past, but the one thing has always remained core to every rock star. And that's been the attitude. That's been the swagger. It's been the 
middle finger to whatever is the popular opinion or whatever is the safe opinion. And I think a lot of people can do that now and get away with it. And if people bombard your Facebook page or your YouTube page in the comment section, let them, let them, let them. You're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, that. I think that's the only way. Stop playing it safe. Just, just get out there and do what you feel you ought to be. Be yourself. And like I said, if you've got a PR person who's coaching you on what to say and what not to say, get a different PR person. You're not, I mean... People are craving the rock star. People want that back. If and if you and if you want more proof, just look at the numbers of the demographic after the movie The Dirt with Motley Crue. Now you don't have to be Motley Crue. You don't have to get in a car crashes. You don't got to OD on heroin. You don't got to throw baloney on naked women. You got to do any of that. If but if you just have that attitude, I think people will. Younger, the younger generation will definitely, will definitely resonate with them. Hopefully, all the sold-out shows for the stadium tour will uh, maybe encourage some artists to think about what you just said. The audience is there, definitely. And how many artists and how many other musicians said, "There's no way with the ticket prices, Motley Crue and Def Leppard are going to fill those stadiums." There was, there was Can. more, yeah, critics. Everybody, everybody. Everybody was saying that. Everybody that was pissed off and jealous that Motley Crue was going back out on tour and That's this it. time doing That's stadiums. Okay. Mm-hmm. Saw, That's it. Oh, there, there's no way people are going to pay that price for tickets. There's just no way. There's no way they're going to. They pretty much sold out 90% of the tour. So, and why is that? Because of that movie. Because of that song. I mean... You know that the the dirt the song was their most popular song since Primal Scream. I want to say, or was it Kickstart My Heart? Uh well, Primal Scream came out just on Decade of Decadence as like one of the four. Yeah, that, that was before. Uh, that was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it was Kickstart My Heart. It was their most popular song since Kickstart My Heart. Kickstart My Heart was what ninety two. Uh, yeah, yep, ninety two. Okay. So no, that's almost sorry, sorry, 30 years. Sorry, I think it was 80. Yep. That's almost 30 years. Right? 20. So if it's 92, we're in 2000. So we're 28 years. 28 years. I don't know. I mean, if I'm, if I'm managing a band or I'm in a band and I see that and then I see all these people. I mean, that was the number one movie on Netflix. People loved it. Of course, the critics who are the snobs, who are, you know, the ones who are telling you what to think and what not to think, didn't like it, but the fans loved it. What does that tell you? The attitude. It tells us that now the Heroin Diary is being produced. (laughs) Right. The audience is there. The audience is there. Yeah, and the audience has spoken. And the young people have spoken. Who would have thought? In the year 2019, when that movie came out, young people, teenagers, would be buying, downloading, what do they call it, uh, streaming Motley Crue songs. I mean... I haven't thought it makes me happy. It does. It makes me extremely happy. I mean, that is a that's, a... that's a prime example. A prime example. So if you are in a young band or you're a young artist and you're trying to develop your onstage personality and your own personality to put forth in the public, be yourself. Don't be afraid to say something that is, makes people uncomfortable. You don't got to say anything. I mean, there's a difference between saying something stupid and there's a difference between saying something uncomfortable. Okay? Don't say anything stupid, but if it's something that's going to make people uncomfortable, go for it. Go for the jugular. People want that. If you're listening out there, hopefully it does resonate with you because I know there's a lot of rock fans like myself that want that attitude to come back stop playing it safe come back with the attitude develop it be be natural be authentic and people will love it people will want more of it it'll resonate with everybody so that's my advice on what happened to the rock star and where the rock star is today 
Thanks again, Sharice. I do appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks um, so much, Jay. I look forward to your visits every time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Once again, everybody, this is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Take care, everyone, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.